Hello and welcome to the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. I am your host as ever, Sexy, Sexy Dory Peacock. And with me today, as always, it's Ren and Timpy. They're like way existential. It's Timothy Maurice. I am working on a new sequence of tap dancing that I can use as a secret code, but not for the purposes of espionage or uh, the efficiency of war times, it is merely so I can dance and judge people at the same time. Mm, you, a worthy cause. If you ever put there through was the one. decoder, and it's going to be me doing two step, but also you're gonna. It's gonna like spit out a little paper, and it's gonna read like your bangs don't match your hair. And instead of the Enigma machine, it's the and boogie machine. Actually, can we start that as a it's hairstyle? And Jigma machine. It's the Enigma. The Enigma. Like the Enigma machine. The Enigma. The dance that no one can uncover or figure out how it goes. It's like the Lombardo. And with us today, we have a special guest. Uh, ten years or nine years of wedded bliss. Everybody, it's my wife, Marlena Rabago. Yes, hello. I am back to haunt your dreams. <laughs> All my best dreams have you in them. Usually you're eating me or wearing so- my feet or something. Do your dreams ever involve different color bangs and hairstyles? Uh, occasionally. Like like brown bangs with blonde hair? I want it now. My living world has that in it. <laughs> That's not true. Your hair is perfect. My hair was blonde at one point in, in parts, just in parts. What are you going to color your hair as next? What am I going to call my hair as? I shall call it Sylvia. <laughs> what are you going to color Sylvia next? Lady. What oh, color is Sylvia? Oh, I don't know. I kind of want to do a fashion color. My stylist, Rocio, was like, what if we put a fashion color in your hair? I, like, I, like, I like your vibe, Rose. I like your vibe. She's the coolest. Her cat has an Instagram. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's all I want is a cat Instagram. I don't even need like an actual pet cat. I just need an Instagram cat. What if you do one of those things where you color just the underside of your, um, <gasps> of your hair, yeah. but like the, cause your hair is kind of long on just one side. So mm-hmm. just the underside of that. Long and you flip it up side. and there's a secret message that says <laughs> your, your dance is terrible. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or you could shave something into your head under the long side. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. Yes. I would, I would shave IMDB Cooper in my head <laughs> under or, the thing. Or you could shave a QR code and it takes you to the IMDB <laughs> page for Cooper. About DB Cooper? I don't know. Probably. Dude, I want that to be a movie I can watch at home. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of things you can watch at home and also other stuff that happens in the world, is it time for the news? It's time for the news. Your news is your lose. Baby born with triads. Timothy, my love. Yes. What news articles do you have for us? Okay. Well, first of all, um, this is relevant to us because we're announcing this as the first episode of 90s Summer. It is. Today. It's a 90s Summer. And we like, are going to get to this property later, but... We should plug in uh, Ace of Base going, I saw the sun. Anyway, go ahead. I want Ace of Base to joust Hanson. Oh my gosh, yes. That would be so cool. Um, on, on Vespa's. Yeah. Mmm, bop, I saw the sign. Hanson, call us. Yeah. Um, also, if your na- last name is Hanson, call us too. Um, if you're just not the band Hanson. No, dude, we're in Utah. That's way too many people. I, I still want them all. All right, news, Tim. Um, we're going to do 90s Summer, and one of the properties we're going to end up covering is Daria. My love, my fave, my, my personal the, sign wave. The person everyone tells me I remind them of. Really? You? Because I have glasses and my name is Dory. Oh. And also brown hair. Yeah, but better when you had long brown hair. Yeah, that reminds me of that yeah, girl when, that... When I had long hair, I was more like her, because I was like, gosh, all you sheeple. That reminds me of that girl... <laughs> that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's so like that girl, girl that, that thought you were Gabby, and then you're like, Gabby's black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy, he was in my stage management class, and for like a year, every time he saw me, he'd be like, it's Gabby, right? And then one day I was like, I don't know how you got us mixed up. She doesn't look like me. We're a different race. And he goes, what? And I was like, Gabby's black! <laughs> Gabby is half Dominican and half Haitian, and I am half Swedish and half Swedish fish. <laughs> Please tell me he said he was colorblind. He did not. So uh, Daria is coming back. So says MTV. Yeah, they're bringing it back. We don't know much about it. I don't know if they're going to set it in the '90s. I think they're going to set it in now. 
I really wish they would just bring it back with the same characters, same animation, maybe have some current references. Because if it turns into like, oh, check it out. It's me, Daria of the 21st century. I'm going to punch a baby. Um, so Daria's coming back. When is it coming back? Oh, let me see. Okay. I'm not sure, but I think next year. Next year? And yeah. Nice. And and they're, um, they're moving some stuff around. So the show is officially called Daria and Jody. Who's Jody? Jody is uh, Daria. I think it's going to be the Jane. Where's Jane going? I don't know. I think they're changing Jane to Jody. No. No, no, it's fine. I like I Jane. Think Jody What's might, my grandmother's name? I think Jody also might not be white. Oh, okay. Which is kind of smart. That's good. Because Daria would become. I always thought Jane yeah. was a little bit Asian. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, good point. Jane mm. Lane. Yeah. Jane Lane. Anyway, it's one of the writers is Grace Edwards, uh, who's a writer for Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, uh, and Inside Amy Schumer. So that's, I don't know, looks pretty good. And they're also bringing back a bunch of other shows like Aeon Flux and The Real World. Oh, good. Hell on Earth. Yeah. Does MTV, I haven't watched it like in a, probably over a decade, two decades, I don't know, long time. That's not possible. A decade, over a decade. <laughs> um, do they have music videos anymore? Not really. Once in a while they uh, do. They did when I was in college. During the credits of a show, they would play a music video. Mm. They have the MTV Music Awards, which they do music video awards show. That's the most music video we they get. Now they run a lot of reality television shows like Teen Mom and the like. Um, <clears throat> oh, and my favorite, Meet the Parents. And like really, oh, parental s- control, that's what it's called. Yeah, and they have really silly stuff like Robert Dryden's Fantasy Factory, which I've watched before. It's weird, but I love it. But I don't. But uh, I do. What was I going to say? Oh, last time I watched a music video on MTV while they were still just showing music videos for days, it was like a Mobiathon. And they played like five Moby videos in a row. <laughs> I was 10. Now they kind of can't because YouTube ate it. Yeah, that's true. YouTube killed the MTV star. And in another 10 years, we're going to find a way to watch Daria on online for free. On and then, the inside of our eyelids. Yeah, and free. then there will be no more. <laughs> then there will really be no more MTV. Uh, what else news do we have? Oh, um, we're talking about YouTube a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we did do that. And VidCon was this weekend. Um, do you know what VidCon is, Doriam? I do. It is like a convention for the YouTubes. Yes, it is. It was started is. by the Hank Green, right? That it was. It was started by the Hank Green and the Greens, and it is a big deal if you're an online creator, because that's a whole business now. Um, but the real news wasn't actually VidCon itself. It was across the street. <gasps> what happened? Oh, my gosh. So, so there's this other creator... Other in relation to Hank Green? Um, no, she's a... Her name is... I don't know I don't know YouTube right now. I am so out of the loop. Uh, her name is Tana Mongo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who's also a friend of Shane Dawson, who I do know who that is. Uh, okay. I'm going I'm to assume these are human people? Yeah, he's, a, he's like a million YouTube followers. He's well-liked. He transitioned well across the 2013 divide, what yeah, I'm calling passion. it. Like, but there's like before. So, so what did she do? Um, so she decided she was going to make her own convention and mm. call it TanaCon <gasps> and advertise it to a bunch of fans that were already in LA for a, a bigger YouTube convention. And it's like DashCon all over again. And the, it's like kind of a mess. Yeah. And, did you hear about funny? DashCon? I heard, yeah, it was a Tumblr convention, That was right? a Tumblr convention from, like, two or three years back it, that is hilariously bad. It didn't take. Yeah, and this one, the problem was they did not estimate demand. They underestimated demand by, like, 400%. Hey, at least they're humble. It, I don't know if that's humble as much as bad planning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's traffic problems inside the venue. Uh, eventually, the venue kicked them out because there was a fire safety issue. Ooh. Um, and they weren't, and the, the main problem also is that they were letting people in because they didn't have good security or event planning staff. So people uh, tricked the ticket line and flooded the venue. Um, and they ended up having to kick everyone out partly because of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So is that what happened at DashCon? They had all sorts of problems. The, the DashCon problems more had to do with funding in the first place. Mm-hmm. TanaCon had the money to put up for an event, but they didn't have good event planning and they didn't have good planning in terms of food or water. So there's a lot of people that were dehydrated. There was a lot of overcrowding in the in the event venue, which was like one hallway in a small hotel compared to like the huge convention center in L.A. Mm. 
Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. What other news is do we got? Oh, one more thing happened. What was it? One more thing happened and I'm going to mention it. Uh, there was a trailer released today for a young adult novel uh, that came out last year called The Hate You Give. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of interesting because a lot of young adult, for better or for worse, no, I'm not, not even going to say for better or for worse, just a lot of young adult in general tends to focus on white kids. Uh, this is true. Um, except when it doesn't in cases like now uh, Wrinkle in Time and maybe maybe mm-hmm. Turtles. Gosh, well, I hope. And, and like, okay, so Harry Potter, the main characters are all white kids, so that's dumb. But yeah. there are non-white kids in it. Yeah, but, like, which is your favorite non-white kid in Harry Potter? Uh, Dean, obviously. Name another one. No, wait, Dean's white. Seamus. No, Seamus is white. Hang on. Nope, Dean. <laughs> Dean is black. It's Dean. It's name Dean. another. It's Dean. Na- name another Cho- one. Oh. Cho uh, Chang. Cho-, Cho Chang is Asian. Yeah, uh, Angela go. Bell is black. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Sounding so super th- white right it's, now. It's, I, I'm interested in this because it's about a real thing that happens in our society that affects mm-hmm. real teenagers, which is uh, the police violence that disproportionately affects black people. Mm-hmm. Um, disproportionately, statistically, just in case anyone really wants to, you know, hash it out. I'm just saying. No, man, they don't come here for that. They, they don't. They come here for nipple jokes. Anyway, and we'll have them in spades. Anyway, that's coming out. Just trailer my today. nipples look like, am I right? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for something which... Is going to look at that yeah. from the perspective of a young adult because I'm that's we talked about this young adults works should talk about real life things from the perspective of teenagers real things that affect teenagers even if they are big society things like poverty or uh, you know school shootings mm-hmm. or police violence so that's happening yeah and I've heard that's a good book I haven't read it yet the hate you gave but I've heard it's real good maybe we'll have to cover it yeah I'd, yeah sign me up that sounds good I want to look at it yeah. Um, so I, I didn't tell you this because I wanted to blow all y'all's mind grapes. Oh, is that all our news? Oh, nope. It's not. Cause I'm blowing your mind grapes. What? With my news. I got some news. What? I found out today as I was binge watching Dark that the Twilight Saga is coming to Amazon Prime in July. What? Rejoice ye, my people. Yay! Ye may now stream the Twilight <laughs> movies. Yes. Oh, that was always going to happen. My wife can annoy her husband every day yes, of the week. And I don't even have to come and borrow your forever edition. Which which you gave me. Thanks, honey. Yeah. Oh my well, gosh. it was partly so that I could borrow it whenever <laughs> yes. I needed to. Yeah. So oh it was a good for you, gosh. but it was also for me. We, we get each other presents that we both want so that we can like... <laughs> Share. <laughs> yeah, so I got the Hunger Games from Dory that year, yeah. and I gave her Twilight. Yeah. So. And then there was a year we gave each other Snuggies. <laughs> the the blankets, not the wedgie kind, which is what they're sometimes called in Utah. And that is all our newses. Twilight for uses. Yay! Yay, and now I have nothing left to news. <laughs> you newsed and you losed. Yeah. Um, so, we got nothing left to news. We, today, my friends... As our first installment of the summer of the 90s, uh, we are going to be talking about that great masterpiece of the late 20th century, Clueless. Discuss. (laughs) As if. (laughs) (laughs) Marlena, when did you see Clueless for the first time? I don't really remember um, the first time. What approximate age and height were you? I was approximately... Four foot three. Thirteen. Okay. <laughs> came out two thousand or uh, it was came out in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I think so, yeah, ninety five, ninety six. Ninety five, so, yeah. Shoot. Um You'd have been you'd have been four. Uh, depending on what month, yes, four or five. Did you see it on VHS um, or DVD? Did they have DVD by then? No, 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 no. Time is a flat circle. Definitely what is been, real? Definitely would have been a, a VHS. VHS. Or or probably more likely. Uh, like on TV. On TBS or something. TBS, yeah. Yeah. I watched it with my sister and my teenage uncles when I was like six. Mm. This is a lot of 90s summer is going to be me reminiscing about stuff my sisters liked. (laughs) And I didn't see it until two years ago when they had it at the Tower Theater for the summer late night series. So you saw it for the first time as an adult? Yeah. That's kind of... I'm okay with that. I mean, it's it's fine. What was that like? Well, I was. You got to remember, first of all, I was in a very restrictive household growing up. Oh, that's true. That's we true. didn't well, watch. And, and you were, and your only older brother wasn't. We a didn't teen. watch PG thirteen movies until I was thirteen. 
And even then, I didn't watch rated R movies until later. And Clueless isn't rated R, but I was also a teenage boy. So the idea of Clueless never really entered my radar until I was a grown adult gay man. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That makes a lot of sense. I, this is one of those movies for me that I saw as a kid and I was like, yeah, I don't really get this, but it's pleasant. And then as a teenager, I was like, oh, it's a little dirty, but also still pretty fun. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is way better than I remember. Like, it's one of those movies that has actually improved over time in my mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Super enjoyable, super rewatchable. And then I, in college, I decided to read all six Jane Austens and I read Emma and I was like, oh, I knew Clueless was like a loose adaptation, but it turns out it's a very good adaptation. I I watched Emma a couple of months ago and I totally, I was thinking of Clueless the whole time. Which Emma did you watch? Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, that's a good one. I like her. I like her Mr. Knightley and also Tony Collette's in that star of Hereditary, the movie filmed in Utah. If you don't know Dory... Uh, then, uh... Then what are you doing? What are you doing here? Also, then, then welcome! We like when strangers listen. Then I'm gonna tell you, Dory knows pretty well the ins and outs of all the Jane Austen books. So, Dory... At least the ins. Would you summarize, uh, Clueless? All right. And so- then would you give us the play-by-play of the Jane Austenness of the original Emma? Yes, so we'll do that. Okay, so Clueless is about Cher, who is a valley girl in the late 90s, late mid-90s. Um, she is, as the title would suggest, kind of clueless. She has grown up in a rich kid bubble, and she has a annoying older stepbrother, played by the most adorable little baby Paul Rudd. The ageless, the perfect. The ageless, perfect Paul Rudd. And her dad is that guy that was Nixon in the movie Dick. And uh, she has her best friend. She's a popular girl at school. No, she's, and, no, that's an understatement. She's the it girl. Yeah, she's kind of the it girl at school. She's very rich. Her dad bought her a car, even though she doesn't have a driver's license. She has this amazing closet that I always wanted that runs her clothes past her on, like, electric racks. Okay, sorry, I won't go off about the closet. Um, anyway, she gets it into her head. She gets the idea from her stepbrother that she should use her popularity to help people. And so she takes a young Brittany Murphy who is a less popular kind of grungy, grunge rock looking girl. She's a, she's a new girl to town. Yeah. And she's immediately labeled as, Ugh. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of, she, yeah, she's got a grunge vibe. She's new to town. She's kind of the poorest kid in the rich school. And so Cher decides to take young Brittany Murphy and help her become popular and get a nice boyfriend and everything. And from there, it all goes awry. And in the end, she has to learn how to actually help people and not help people on her own terms. Is that a good enough synopsis? That's a great yes. synopsis. And I, feel, and I feel like also a part of it is it's a transformation story. Yeah. But, but definitely it's about Cher's transformation. Yeah, it's about it's about a privileged person learning true generosity. So how's that different than it is what n- Jane Austen wrote? Almost no different. So what so Jane Austen books are always set in a different time period. So what They're is They're always set in in Jane Austen's lifetime, so the early 18 teens. So during then what is the what are the social ramifications of marriage? To a Jane Austen character. So let me explain the economy very quickly. So Jane Austen's day was a day when the economy was a lot wrapped up in uh, ownership and investment. And it was actually easier to get a fortune by joining your money with a spouse's money than to like go work for a bunch of years and earn your own fortune. Like you weren't going to get as far doing that. Um, It was the early years of capitalism. So marriage was this huge economic arrangement. And so Emma in the original book is this woman who has no need to get married because her dad is that rich. And she is so incredibly privileged and very popular to the extent that like people kind of flatter her just because she's her and she's lived in kind of a rich girl bubble and she does exactly the same thing. She finds in the book, the the Brittany Murphy character's name is Harriet Smith. She is like a poor kid who was raised at a school in town. Emma takes her under her wing, tries to make her popular, tries to get her a good boyfriend, and it all kind of backfires and goes awry. And then the voice of her conscience in Clueless, as in the original Emma, is in in Clueless, it's her her ex-stepbrother. In Emma, it's her 
her brother-in-law's brother. It's a guy that she's known her whole life who's just like a family friend. And he's always coming in and being like, no, like that's not how you be a good person. And she fights with him on it. But then eventually like each of them has to give a little bit and she has to learn that like he's he's right about most ethical things and he has to learn that like she she really does have a way with people that mm-hmm. has a lot of potential. And that's kind of, that's exactly what happens in Clueless. So thematically it is spot on. This is like, you know how we rave about how good that Pride and Prejudice adaptation was? Yeah, that we covered in one of because, our past episodes. Yeah, because it translates culturally Which is so available well. at JDRC, uh, dot, jdrcpodcast.podbean.com and yeah. also on iTunes because yeah. we get to have a bigger feed now. But uh, that, that movie we loved because it translated culturally so well this translates culturally just about perfectly because the 90s were this time of like incredible economic prosperity where the rich were getting richer and you had these bubbles of like people who could be sheltered both by their wealth and just by the the peacefulness of the time they lived in yeah it's it's almost a perfect adaptation yeah it is it it is I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I love the Hollywood, like, not Hollywood, sorry, the, um, what's the neighborhood? Beverly, Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. The Beverly Hills, uh, the idea that she's in Beverly Hills, um, and, and she's this, I don't know, she is really nice. She's a really nice person. Yeah, she's not a bad person. But she's above, even in the, like, couple intro scenes, she's above having a boyfriend there because these are just boys. Mm-hmm. I just think she, it's so perfect. And that's and that's totally that's right out of Jane Austen. She's like, I I'm gonna inherit my dad's money when he dies. I don't need to get married. Mm-hmm. What perfect. like what would be the point? Perfect. Is is this the first teen adaptation based on a classic work of, of literature? No, it's definitely not. What is uh, it, the first one? The first one West Side Story. I'm going to say West Side Story. Well, that's not for teens. That's for Americans. It's about teens. It's about teens, but it's not for teens. Oh. It's not set in a high school. Honey, I was a teen. It is so for teens. It's <laughs> it's for teens, but like West Side Story is like an American piece of art. It, it's very for... So is Clueless. Everyone of that time. Yeah, but not in the same way. Yeah, I would agree. It has... Yeah, West Side Story, I think, does appeal and to And this was a phenomenon specific to the 90s. It hasn't happened since. We had Emma. We had 10 Things I Hate About You. We had She's the Man. We had... Oh, she's, we yeah, had... Yeah, She's the Man was the tail end. We had Cruel Intentions. Oh my gosh, Cruel Intentions was weird. Yeah. So, uh, was yeah. this the first one? Oh, the first of that trend? Yeah. I don't think so it doesn't seem like it i feel what started first i feel like baz lerman's romeo and juliet that came out a year after though oh after yeah i don't know i i feel like it wasn't but maybe it was it might have been and maybe that's why that wave started is that this movie was so good yeah and also like an amazing cast little baby paul rudd little baby donald Faison, little baby brecken meyer who i always think is baby noah wiley my favorite human, Wally Shawn. Yeah, I just think, you know, comment on Instagram if you can think of an early one, earlier one. Yeah, yeah totally. Tweet us. Yeah. JDRC Podcast. That, that's so fun to me because I love that they did these. I wish they'd do them again, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like there's some untapped material there. I always wanted to write, this is crazy, but in, I, in high school, I had a fantasy to write a high school kid adaptation of Don Quixote. But instead of thinking he was a knight... Of a medieval knight and coming to school, he would think he was a, a 1950s crooner and come to school and like class up the joint. <laughs> this is a weird idea. There's other stuff I've always wanted to see like this, like Great Gatsby would have been particularly good. Gatsby would have been good in the 90s. Yeah. Now no one would believe it because who's that rich? Yeah, but I mean, this kid who's like a social media influencer who's borrowing his like uncle's house over the weekends. Totally. I yeah, believe that. That could be rad. Yeah. I like Nick Carraway as a protagonist because he's just like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about, um, I don't, I'm not sure if I may be butting in on the format oh, but, a little oh, bit. But away, my love. Ooh, um, butts everywhere. The costuming choice of Clueless. Oh my goodness. That can signature plaid. About, that we, signature plaid Can we talk about, well, and, and the, the idea of, okay, so Cher is the character who's like the it girl, but even more than that, she is like the trendsetter mm-hmm. of 
of Bel Air. Sorry, Beverly Hills. Keep, Beverly Hills. Um, and so nobody was really wearing those before this movie. I don't think like that was high fashion, especially for a high school. It was all grunge. It was all dark. But Cher was just like was high fashion. I loved it. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And her, like Dion's weird hats that she always has. I was like in love with that one bucket looking hat when I was a kid. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. The signature plaid. I was watching Ingrid goes West the other day and there's a scene at a Halloween party where someone is wearing a share costume. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so great. That happened recently on drag race too. Someone did a share inspired look for a design challenge and they only were able to kind of get away with it with it because they're like, I have a share reference and I have a divine reference and they're both wearing plaid. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's so iconic in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just that imagery of, of the plaid jacket. Tell us how much of a, a gay cultural phenomenon this Huge. movie is. Yeah. Why do you think that Huge. is? Huge. I think part of it is because share is, so a lot of reasons why I think gay men identify with share is because share is unabashedly feminine. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that like stuff like Daria is really important because it humanizes. She's, she's feminine, but she's also in control of a lot in the movie. Yeah. She still like has a lot of the privilege that men have. Yeah. Know? So, so Daria is great because it humanizes like outcasts and there's a lot of great stuff that humanizes kind of fringe people. But Clueless was great because it kind of supposed that the popular kid who is so often in these movies cast as the villain. I mean, ever since Heather's at the very least, um, Maybe even, even before that, even before then has more depth than we're giving on. I mean, even in Saved by the Bell, I mean, just the most depth Jesse ever got was I'm so excited, you know, but Cher is allowed to be extraordinarily, extraordinarily vapid and fun. And that's cool. And she knows who she is, but also the, a real look at, you know, the other sides of her, what she wants, what she needs, how she's lonely when she doesn't have friendship and the ways in which she actually kind of knows more than people give her credit for. I love the scene when she's driving home with Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd's talking to this college girl and this college girl's like, well, you know, it's like Hamlet said, be to thine own self true, which if you've read Hamlet, you know, A, Hamlet didn't say that and B, it wasn't framed as necessarily it wasn't good advice. It's in not the book. good advice. No. And then Cher's like, actually, I don't think Hamlet said that. I think it was that Polonius dude. And Paul Rudd smiles because <laughs> she's the only one that knows that. And I like this idea that people underestimate Cher. Cher's given the sense of power and affirmation for all the things that make her feminine and girly. The problem with Cher is not that she loves fashion or that she knows what she knows about pop culture or that she's good at giving makeovers. The problem is that she's selfish. And at the end, she learns how to separate the two. But she's such a good feminist though, too. Yeah. For those, for like the reasons of like... Like a 90s feminism. Yeah, 90s, 90s feminism. Which, which was wave it? was that? Third, girl second power. wave? Fourth wave? The girl power wave. Second wave. Second wave? Second wave? Girl power third? wave. No, the first wave was girl in the 1890s. Wave. Girl power wave. I think we're in the third wave. Okay. But how? But how, what number was it, Tim? This is this is third wave. You know, it's a little weird to yell "girl power" over two women who second are wave, <laughs> second wave feminist. Second wave feminism has Get to do woke mother. <laughs> second wave feminism has to do with suffragette issues. So modern feminism, which has to do more with uh, the way we view women on a status level, more it. complicatedly, is third wave. You heard it here, a white man explaining feminism. <laughs> I, I think that's totally valid. But, um, <laughs> Look, but I, mean, I mean, he is right. I've read more Judith Butler than both of you. Come on. <laughs> I do love, however, that we've spent, I but don't how know. How many vaginas do you have? Five minutes in talking my about. In my taxidermied in my house? Talking about how the character Cher is a really big influence for the gay community, but we haven't even talked about Christian. Yeah, the other thing I was going to get to is oh, this. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Christian. This movie has a gay character who is not. Like, gross or weird, he's just kind of there, and he's cool, and it's subtle. He's so cool. And he's so cool, and he's so dreamy. Well, and it's funny, because it's, like, it's the 90s, so he himself can't come out, but when he's outed by another character, everybody else is cool about it. Yeah. Like, she's, like, Cher doesn't even feel, like, betrayed or sad or whatever. She hangs out with him in the next scene. They're just, they become friends. They go together, and they, they go shopping and stuff. And there's something really nice about that, that Cameron A., Cameron represents kind of a type of gay that didn't often see as much kind of the James Dean type, Christian? which is, yeah, or Christian, sorry. And, and, and that's cool because a, I think it's, it's 
delving on a sense of roots of Hollywood that most people maybe aren't as familiar with or really going with in terms of the fact that, you know, all these Hollywood it guys were gay. Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean. Brando was gay? Brando wasn't gay, but Brando, he was going out with everyone. And I mean everyone. Hmm. Everyone. Uh, Vincent Price might have been a little bit gay. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Rock Hudson kind of aesthetic. Yeah. That that stuff, it's great that they found a place for the character. They're like, oh, it should be this. And also that character kind of has to be so, something more masculine for it to make sense that Cher would be into him. It's still cool, though. It is cool. And I'll tell you, this is this is a, an interesting place where it departs from it, the adaptation. Because it's really, it's a very, very faithful adaptation. They truncate very little. So what's the Christian analog the, in the... Book. I'm about to tell you. Oh, about, tell me. About to tell you, son. Shove so, it down my so throat in, like in a catheter. In the book, there's a character called Frank That's Church. That's catheters work. Ew, that is not how catheters work. At least not... Oh, man. So, anyway. Not in America. Not in America. <laughs> um, so, there's a character called Frank Churchill, and he is this kid that was raised in the same village. He was from the same village as Emma, but he was raised by relatives because his mom died when he was little. And his biological dad has just married Emma's friend. And so... Everyone's like, oh, Frank Churchill's going to come to town and visit his stepmom, dude to do. Frank Churchill is so cool and hot. You and him should date. And so her whole life, all she's heard is like, you should date Frank Churchill. And so he shows up and she's like, and he acts super into her and they hang out all the time. And she's like, oh my gosh, he totally wants to marry me. This is going to be amazing. Because back then, then, if you wanted to date, you wanted to marry. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would hang out with somebody and then you would have to talk to their dad and be like, I want to marry her eventually. And they'd be like, okay, done. Sold. Um, (laughs) But... So anyway, they hang out. Then he just ghosts. He's like, I got to go back and hang out with my aunt. She's dying. I'll see you later. And then he leaves for a while and she's like, well, I don't think about him that much. Probably didn't really love him. And then later she finds out that he had this like secret engagement with somebody else the whole time. And I think, I don't know. That's that's one thing that would have been, there's some stuff from the book that would have been cool to have in here. Like uh, there's a moment in the in the book where Emma is, like needlessly mean to somebody. And that's kind of the breaking point for her character where she says something really unkind and uh, Mr. Knightley calls her out on it. And that's the moment when she's like, oh, I got to change my shit, dude. Like I've been fighting with this guy the whole time and I know he's been right. And now I got to change my whole mind about this. And so I kind of would have liked to see that happen with Cher. I kind of would have liked to see her be cruel to somebody and in in clueless instead it's somebody kind of being mean to her where she says to ty like well i don't know if you should like josh and then ty's like well you're still a virgin and she has but she's fine with she's she's fine with but she has a moment where she's like oh like i'm i there are people who judge me the way i judge other people i'm not as cool as i think i am so i don't i don't know but i still love it yeah but yeah, so in so yeah, and then when Christian becomes gay, there's kind of nowhere else for him to go since they cut out the other character from the book, and he's just kind of around. He fills space, but I like the space he fills. He he does he does fill a good space, and it they they rework it in a way that works and is good. I love I love the fact too that when uh, Cher tells oh what is um who who is it that she tells like oh I want to I want to hook up with him. And they like laugh at her. Oh, it's Donald Faison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they laugh at her, but not because they're not like laughing like ha ha ha. He's gay. Oh yeah. They're like laughing because like Cher is like she's clueless. She's she clueless. She didn't see it. Yeah. So I love that there wasn't like yeah. It was very non typical reaction for the nineties. I think. Oh yeah, it wasn't like yeah. It was definitely like oh you're you got no gaydar girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, such a good movie. I think you're right about the outfits, man. I always wanted her closet when so I was a kid. Good. Oh my gosh, so 90s technology, like one of my favorite oh things. Oh my gosh, yes. She has like a virtual reality thing that like sh- like puts the clothes on like a fake model of her and like shows the dress and it will like pull them out of like storage. It's crazy. Oh my gosh, we still don't have that today. In fact, one of my friends was going to try and write an app that would help you put together outfits and there were just like too many logistic complications. <laughs> yeah, that would be very difficult. It like scans and images all her clothes. It's so ridiculous. I love it. Oh my gosh. And like, doesn't they have those old flip phones? 
They've got, she's got that Jeep, oh, that, yeah, the, that Jeep Wrangler everyone had. They had a joke in the movie where she's talking to her best friend who also has a cell phone. And this is when cell phones weren't common technology. And they, and she walks out of class and she's talking to her friend on the cell phone. And the friend's talking to the cell phone next to her close by. And then they're both close their cell phones and continue the conversation because they just joined. I know. It's so, it's so surreal to watch because that is not unheard of now. Yeah. That is totally typical for two girls to text a private conversation to each other while they walk down a hall. Mm-hmm. But to see it in the 90s is so surreal. It's, but it's like, and that's like 20, so 1995. So how many years before everyone was doing that? Like oh, 15 at least. Many, 15, yeah. many, many years. 15, so 12, years. 13 years. Yeah. Uh, and we all, so let me, let me ask you this, guys. We all grew up, the three of us, in the, shall we say, lower middle class <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that was me. Accurate. And in my town, it was so small, like nobody was rich. And if people had money, they didn't show it because that would be vulgar. But like, so so for you guys, as it was for me, do you, did you feel that same pull I did that was like, for me, Clueless is kind of like a fantasy on a couple levels, a fantasy of mm-hmm. like being that rich, but also of like being well-rounded well oh my gosh isn't my house totally classy the columns date back all the way to 1975 (laughs) (laughs) i'll say that i went to so i was i was not we didn't have a high income growing up in my family i had a single mom um but i went to the rich high school in in the valley of salt lake city there were there were two rich high schools one which was really rich rich and one which was only a little bit rich and i went to the richest one because in utah uh, Salt Lake City, everything is on an incline and your socioeconomic goes up with the view. That is true. Yeah. There are so, people who have built their houses right on the Wasatch Fault because so, they're that rich. Yeah. So people move all the way up and the farther up you go, the richer and better the houses are. And the more you're like, I'm not scared of earthquakes. Yeah. So <laughs> those, it, it's funny because it, it automatically segregates the socioeconomic level of the city based on where you live. Very, And I'm sure this is true everywhere. It's very true in Salt Lake because the incline is very obvious. So except, I went, for, except for like the Ochre Mountains. If you go west to those mountains... It's because it's too far away there. from where all the cool kids are. Um, <laughs> the, urban, the urban sprawl is slowly creeping out there, though. So my high school experience is weird because I would honestly characterize it more like Daria. And Dar- this is where we begin to reference Daria and everything because it really... It really sets a lot of tone for, I think, how things are. It was more just a bunch of people doing their own thing all through high school, I feel like. There wasn't, you know, big clashes of, of groups that were as rocky and as, as, as portentous as, you know, a lot of teen movies even make to believe than Clueless. And I'd say that the kids in my school were more products of the grunge era in a way that Cher isn't. They, mm. they were more the MTV generation, ironically, than... Something that was like Valley Girl Vapid. I think this isn't just a rich kid fantasy. This is a L.A. rich kid fantasy. Other places, it might be different. You know? I, yeah, I agree. My my school was also a lot like Daria because there were... The rich kids were more like Tom uh, yeah, from Daria. Uh, yeah, kind of. Their rich kids could be, could be douches, but like Sorry. usually you, if someone had nice things, you'd be like, oh, they're in debt because <laughs> everybody yeah, in Utah yeah, 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 yeah. goes into so much debt for the dumbest shit. But, uh, yeah, there, there's also like so much overlap between like after school type activities, like so many football players were also in the musical that there were no like click lines along the hobby that's lines. That's so yeah. nice. I think you, that's like not typical at all. No? Was it, was it all segregated? And, well, no, that's yeah. I mean, bad no, no, no. What? I, mean, what? I mean, it is like, and I, I went to, I think a pretty typically sized school. I think there were like three or 400 kids per graduating year. Mm-hmm. How many kids were there? Are, there are 400 total. Okay. In my school. So yeah, I think, I think my sc- school and it was like a County high school, but I think it was more typical numbered wise. So, so was mine. That's the sad part. <laughs> typical for the County. No, it was, it was a, a County high school. It still oh, yeah, only yeah, had 400 yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but I, but I think you had a special experience in that not very many people were that well-rounded in high school. You yeah. really do pick a thing. Like I tried to play soccer my junior year and like, A, I was terrible because I hadn't been playing until my junior <laughs> year. But B, like everyone else had been playing every single year and that's all they'd done all year. Mm-hmm. Like. You just pick one thing. You pick one thing. And that's your thing. Yeah. But, but 
I think, I think, yes, it was absolutely like, can you imagine being so rich that you have like handfuls of like armfuls? You can't even carry how many skis you're going to donate to people mm-hmm. in Africa. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what Cher was doing. I don't know what she was donating to, but she's donating a whole bunch of skis to somewhere. Oh, yeah. And he's like, honey, I don't think they need just no skis. <laughs> uh, hey, so someone reminded me today. It was my friend Aaron. I ran into him and he was like, oh, yeah, there was that TV show Clueless on K-Jazz. What? Did you guys know? Did you guys remember? No. I remember watching it. No. That you not remember. UPN did a sitcom version of Clueless and her dad, uh, they couldn't get all the same actors. I think Donald Faison might have been in it because he was kind of a TV guy at the time. But... It ran for three seasons? It ran for three seasons. Her dad, I'm pretty sure, was played by Harvey Firestein. There was a crossover with Sabrina the Teenage Witch? There was. What? <laughs> Who played Cher in the TV version, Tim? Uh, same actors. Oh, same. It was all the same actors? Alicia Silverstone and... No. Oh, no. No. No, they got... The so they got back a lot of the same actors for uh, some of the characters. Stacey Dash played Dion. Um, uh... Uh, they obviously couldn't get Paul Rudd back. And the person they got to play Cher is an actor named Rachel Blanchard. Let me see a picture. Let me see a picture. Oh, I've heard of Rachel Blanchard. She's, yeah, she was on a bunch of stuff. But was her dad, am I right? Was her dad Harvey Firestein? Uh, no. Who was her dad? Um... It was Michael Lerner in season one and Doug Sheehan in season two. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So the Clueless TV show, I I remember this being on K Jazz after school. K Jazz was the local, like, like local access channel, and they had a syndication deal with UPN, and so they would run all the UPN shows just on a different night, and then they would show jazz games, and so if there was a jazz game, you'd have to wait till Monday to watch Clueless, but at different times, and still to this day, sometimes they have weird shows that they just air. But yeah, they had this sitcom version of Clueless, and I remember a, a very special episode where they invited a really cool college guy to a party, and he didn't even seem drunk, and he left to take someone home, and he died in a car wreck. What? Because he, he drank and no. drove. Ah, I love TV. So it's was it, so was weird. Was it super like after school special though? Yeah. Like that? Yes. Like, like a lesson learned every night. Yes. And it was so weird because it was like the next day Cher was talking to her dad and he got a phone call and he's like, honey, he died. <laughs> and it's like no hospital scene, no nothing. Just like, oh, hey, yeah, great night with Chad last night. How is Chad? Honey, he died. <laughs> <laughs> was this a multi-camera sitcom or like a... It, it was single cam. Single cam, wow. It was, it was an early so single jarring. cam show. To go from like the movie to single cam? Oh. No, the movie, like single cam is very similar to a movie because there's no studio audience. Single cam is what 30 Rock is. Oh. Well, wait, what's multi-cam? Multi-cam is what Seinfeld is where they have one set and multiple cameras. Oh, that makes no sense. That yes, it does because there are multiple cameras. <laughs> I, I I always feel like the POV for from a sitcom is never mind. <laughs> I got it backwards. <laughs> but yeah, so it was uh, it was real weird. That was great. Mm. Not as good as Mash, obviously. Oh well, uh, come on. <laughs> but you knew Mash was. Well, the movie what first, other right? weird moments from this show? From this from this TV show? Yeah. That's the only one I can remember. Oh, and I remember the theme song had, like, the 90s theme song thing where everybody would, like, pose for a minute with their name by them. And when they did Amber's pose, she was wearing a dress made of CDs, so it was all shiny <laughs> and weird. That's, that's the weirdest thing I remember. And also the very special episode where that guy died. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of other things that I like liked about the movie Clueless. Um, I think that it humanized rich people. Mm, yeah. Made me feel better about rich people in general. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh gosh, every every girl that says, "Daddy, can I do this or this or this?" If you say "Daddy" in that kind of voice, like I automatically peg you for like well, such an idiot. You, but mm-hmm. Cher is like a really good person. Well, because in the case of Cher, she's looking out for her dad. And that's one of those relationships where it's clearly selfless. She doesn't have to do those things for him, but she does. She doesn't have to, you know, 
make him focus on his diet or help help him dress himself in a way where he actually looks good. But she does those things anyway because she cares. And that's that's like a redeeming feature of her in the book too. Except it, well, in the book it's less redeeming because her dad, instead of being a busy person, is a very anxious person, and so she kind of like takes care of his anxiety and makes things easy for him. And part of that for her is the status of being like the woman of the house. So I kind of like it better in Clueless that it's like, oh, she's, she, it's not so much a status thing. It's that she feels responsible and she loves her dad. Can we talk about how in a lot of Jane Austen's stuff, uh, it is part of the norm of the time to marry your cousin. And there's a couple cousin romances. Yeah. But in Clue or in Emma, the only relation of Emma to Mr. Knightley is by marriage. Yes. But also he is 16 years older than her and has memories of holding her when she was a baby. Okay, still. I mean, just just saying, it's still a little gross. Anyway, go ahead. I'm saying, but there's a couple more degrees of separation removed. Paul Rudd is her stepbrother. I can't believe they got, they got closer to incest in Clueless than from the actual Jane Austen thing. That's true. For once. <laughs> Which is so weird to me when I finally learned this from you. Because I was like, oh yeah, it's normal in, in thing to marry your cousin. So you'd think it would be a step down from cousin, but this isn't one of the cousin books. Nope, this is not one of the cousin books. The yeah. cousin books are Mansfield Park and kind of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Mr. Collins that wants to marry them is like their third cousin or something. Yes, it runs in the family. Yep, mm. you gotta keep it in the family. Mm. I also always wanted to write a Jane Austen musical with a song about marrying your cousin. I think I think there's something to be said. I'm trying to think of like what the purpose of is making making him like a close relative. I think so. It works. I think it's like so his relationship of, with the dad works, and also so his relationship with Cher works. They kind of have to have this kind of initial hostility that makes sense. Yeah, but why why doesn't he just go to her high school? Uh. I think there's because he's not like other boys. I think there's something kind of thematically important about him being older, about him being like an older worldly guy who can appreciate her, that he recognizes the maturity in her. That's kind of validating. I agree too that like I think what they're trying to preserve from the book is the intimacy between him and their family. Because in the book, it was like pretty normal back in the Dizay to just like go sit at someone's house for 15 minutes in the morning and then just like leave. And so in, yeah, in the, in the book, he's very attached to them and his brother is married to her sister. So they have the same nieces and nephews and stuff. So to take out the relatives in order to smooth things out and in order to make it so he knows her in a way where he's seen her when she was a little kid Mm -hmm. and it's not too creepy, you kind of have to make him be able to have seen her at her house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that her dad like feels, he says, he Paul Rudd has some line about how his dad has been more of a dad to him than either his bio dad or any of the guys his mother has married. And he's hiding out at their house because he hates his current stepfather. Mm. And I also like that it's weird that he's your stepbrother because I think it makes it just a little more interesting. <laughs> it definitely makes it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I knew a girl who dated her step cousin. Her uncle got remarried to a woman with a son her age and they dated for a while. How do you, how do you break up from that? How do you... I don't know. I'd just be like, I guess I'll see you at the family reunion. <laughs> okay. Well, you know too much about my childhood now. Because <laughs> we, we better we better sew this sew this corpse up. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say about about Clueless or the nineties? Nothing else, but I'm wondering why you're getting fixated on taxidermy again. I'm just so scared of it. All right. I guess this is the end of our show, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We gotta we gotta get in a couple good clueless quotes. A couple good clueless quotes. Oh yes, uh, the quotable quotable clueless. We'll do it fast because I got the hiccups. Tim's Tim's got the hiccups. Hold your breath. No. Hey Tim. <laughs> no. Did it help? You're not a stuffed bear. Oh, I try. Um, I I say this all the time. I say. Um, at, when I roll through a stop sign, I say to myself, I totally paused. <laughs> <laughs> That's a um, thing in Utah. I tried that line on a cow once when you were with me. Didn't work. <laughs> oh, this is sweet when she says, I am totally but crazy in love with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but crazy? Yeah. Is it like a butt like on your body? I did. I do love when she we, we when we watched it the other day. When she's like, "Hey, chin pubes," <laughs> chin pubes. <laughs> when he grows that beard, and she's like, "What's up, chin pubes?" Oh, yeah, I was surfing the crimson wave. 
I had to haul ass to the ladies. <laughs> oh, yeah, but she says it like, sir, I was serving the Crimson Wave and had to haul ass to the ladies. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I forgot people used to say haul ass. <laughs> I want to do something for humanity. How about sterilization? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Those good. are some great ones. I love it. I love that show. It's so good. What's your guys' favorite 90s slang? Mine is to the max. I don't know. I wasn't alive. Psych your mind. I wa- Psych your mind. I was alive, but I don't remember right now. That's right. You're like two years younger than us. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. I guess we better sew this corpse up again. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find the JDRC podcast at jdrcpodcast.podbean.com. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, uh, I don't know, probably like some other podcatchers. Try it. Let me know. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher, why not rate and review? It helps other people find our show. And come on, we won't tell your mom. The cool kids are doing it. No one will find out. Just once won't hurt. Uh, also, find us on Twitter at JDRC Podcast. Same handle for Instagram. We are on Facebook as the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. You can follow Tim on Twitter at Cyber Mormon. You can follow Prior Cyber Prior. Oh, sorry, Cyber Prior. <laughs> Like the Priory of Scion. Don't yep. get confused. You can follow me on Twitter at Dory E. Peacock or on Instagram at Das D. Train. Uh, Marlena, would you like to give out your social media handles? Oh, probably wrong audience. Um, I'm on Instagram at outgoes underscore Marlena. <laughs> yes, cute hiking pictures and baby pictures on there. Um, we, anything else I need to plug, Tim, before we go? Nope. Okay. Uh, this, uh, when this episode airs, I will be at Laughingstock at the Off-Broadway Theater. You can come see me the 29th and 30th of June being an improviser, uh, which is the, the meatiest of all the dinosaurs. Okay. That is it for us. And here are our sign-offs. Honey, Chad's dead. Thanks for listening, and remember, we won't judge you, but we will bring the jello salad to your trial. Um, I've considered making a Facebook group, by the way, before that's just Gay Tims of Utah. <gasps> Do it! Start like a little mafia of all the Gay Tims. <laughs> gay Tims of Utah! I and then we all just know each other in case we need a favor or someplace to stay or, you know, to avoid tax evasion. Oh my gosh, that, I, I think this has to happen now. I'll see. I think this has to be a thing.